Well, this is the start of a new series, and we've got a number of our locations streaming in this morning, so we're going to give them a big welcome. And uh, I'm just going to name a few here. We've got Christchurch down the South Island, Napier, North, Manukau, Pukekohe, Thames, Tauranga, Taupo, Gisborne, Masterton, Wellington, Wanganui, and Hastings. Come on, in every location, can we put our hands together for the other locations? Welcome to 2019. If we haven't seen you yet, man, we're believing as Equippers Church. We're in for a big year in Jesus' name. And I pray that you come to church this morning with hope and expectation in your heart. In fact, my prayer is every time we gather together, there'll just be a pervasive hope that would fill the hearts and lives of people, that whatever they've been through, whatever they're going through, whatever they're facing, that just the hope of Jesus would fill their lives. How many know Jesus is in the house? Where two or three are gathered in His name, He's there in the midst, and He wants to meet with us in a powerful way. I believe He wants to speak to our hearts. He wants to enlarge our vision. And He wants us to take, everything, take hold of everything He's purposed and promised for our life. If you believe that, come on, every location, just lift a hand or two. Lord, we acknowledge You. We acknowledge Your presence. Lord, and we thank You. Lord, You're moving. Lord, right across this nation. And I pray, Lord, through this series, You'd touch our hearts once again. Lord, You'd cause us to take hold of stuff that we've never seen before. Lord, I thank you, Lord, that you call us to the journey of faith. Lord, and with faith in our hearts, Lord, we let go of the good, we let go of the bad to take hold of the new. Lord, Lord, I pray, Lord, you do a new thing among us, we pray. Lord, in Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen, amen, amen. Come on, every location, how about give five people a high five before you take your seat. I don't know if you did this growing up, but it was something that you did. I remember, you know, you used to go, here's a church, here's a steeple, open up, and there's the people. I want everybody right now just to do that with me. Here's a church, here's a steeple, open up, and there's no people. That's the reality in a lot of places. You know, church is seen as a building, but, you know, I don't want you to do it like this. I want you to lock your fingers together and go, here's a church. And now here's a steeple, open up and look at all the amazing people. How many know church is all about people? Yeah, it's people. It's not about buildings. It's not about an institution. It's about people. And during the series, we're praying that people would get uh, an understanding of of God's concept or God's vision for the church. And so we're going to dive straight into it this morning. If you've got your Bible, let's go to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. Here's Paul speaking to the church at Ephesus. He says, now, therefore, you are no longer strangers. Just turn to your neighbor and say, howdy, stranger. You're no longer a stranger because you just said hello. You're no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens. What are we? We are fellow citizens and members of the household of God. Here's the deal this morning. If you confess Jesus is your Lord and Savior, You're being baptized into his body and you're members of the household of God. Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom the whole building 
being fitted together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you are also being built together. What are we being built? We're being built together, listen to this, for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. You know, the church, it's God's vehicle, His vessel that He wants to use to accomplish His purpose. Church is something more than you attend. In fact, the title of my message this morning is Be the Church. Come on, somebody just say that out loud. Be the church. And turn to the person next to you and say, Be the church. See, I don't know about you, but when I think of church, you know, I think about its potential. I think about its, its capacity. I think about the, the early church and, and, and the difference it made in its world. And I often dream of what a fully mobilized church would look like. You know, I, I figure if you're in this deal, if you know Jesus, you know, be in it. You know, the best way to stuff up your life is just to be half-hearted when it comes to the things of God. I, I, I figure if this is real, if the love of God is real, if I know His grace, man, I'm in it. And I'm not just in for certain things, I'm in for everything. I, I believe the challenge you know, to you and I is to, to really understand how God views things. See, see, many things today are, are misused because we don't understand you know, the original design. It's like, like the wooden spoon. How many here growing up got the wooden spoon? It wasn't a present. It wasn't gift-wrapped, but you actually got the wooden spoon. Now, how many know uh, the, the wooden spoon has got a confused identity? And, and it's been misused in many places. In fact, the original design of the wooden spoon is, is so that it wouldn't transfer heat from the pot to your hand. That's why people, it's wooden, you know, wouldn't lean against and there wouldn't be that transference of heat. But how many know the wooden spoon has transferred a lot of heat? <laughs> a lot of heat over the years. Uh, because people have, uh, didn't know its true identity and therefore it got misused. And I challenge to say in a lot of places, people don't really understand that God's designed for the church. And, and it's been misused and, you know, it's left people a little bit bewildered. The church, I don't know, you know, Jesus cool, I'm all good with him. But the church, you know, oh, that, that's an institution, that's a building, that's, you know, uh, that's, you know, full of people who are really serious and, and do-gooders, but, you know, don't really live life to the max. And, and, and many people don't, don't view God, God's viewpoint for that. In fact, you know, coming into this year, I'm sure many of you have wrote down visions, dreams for your, your friends, for your family life, for your individual home. You know, there's people in this place who are believing to buy a new home this year, which, which is a good dream. You know, you got dreams for your career, for your spouse. But, but, but I want to challenge you. What about a dream for the house of God? Because I, I really believe as a, as a believer, we need a vision for the house of God, uh, for, for what the church is and what it can be. See, see, see there's many believers uh, around the world today who are just attending church. But we're never meant to just attend church, we're meant to be the church. The church is so much more than a gathering on a Sunday, it's more than an institution. It, it's, it's the ecclesia, 
It's, it's a group of people who have been called out of an old way of living. And, and a group of people who come together for a specific purpose to reveal God's intention to the world. See, see the problem in a lot of places is, is, as Christians, we have a low ecclesiology. Well, there's a big word there. We have a low ecclesiology. What's that word? We have a low understanding of what the church is and its role. We don't really understand it. We have a cultural understanding, but in a lot of places, we don't have a biblical understanding. And so, so what we do is, you know, we think, well, church, you know, that's people who call themselves Christians, and uh, they're just regular attenders. They attend, attend once a week, and, and that, that's church. But outside of that, they have no real commitment to, to invest and, and to actually be the church. And when we don't understand the purpose of something, as I said, it's destined for misuse. You know, I, I wonder, you know, if you know, a lot of our frustrations and limitations in life is because we have a limited view of what God wants to accomplish in and through His church. Maybe we have our view and not God's view. During this series, I, I pray our minds are going to shift and our, and our vision is going to be enlarged as to what God can accomplish through His people. And I believe when it comes to God's vision through the church, you know, it's summed up by the title of this series, The One Another's. It's not the few, it's the one another's. It's, it's about believers fellowshipping together. One person said, fellowship is simply a whole lot of fellows in the same ship. You know, when it comes to, to, to our working God's purpose, we're all in the same boat. And fellowship is so vital if we're to be fruitful in life. You know, I love the fact that when you come into a place like this, you know, I pray that you feel loved already. It's like, welcome, you're already loved. You don't have to behave in a certain way to be accepted. You're accepted in this place. Didn't matter what you, it doesn't matter what you've done last week, last year, you know, even last night. You're, you're loved in this place. Friend, God loves you. He's for you. The unconditional love of Jesus is towards you today. You're loved and you're accepted. But, but we've got to go beyond just acceptance to a place where, where we fellowship. And the Greek word for fellowship, which appears 19 times in the New Testament, is the word kononia. You know, 12 times it's translated as fellowship. Three times it's translated as sharing. How many here are good at sharing? Uh, here's the thing. When, when Christ is working in your life, you overcome your old nature. Uh, I, was, uh, I did a wedding message at Josh, who was, Josh and Polly's wedding this week, and I was talking about how, you know, uh, Kathy wasn't very good at sharing her food when we first got together. You know, when we first got together, you know, youngest in the family, it's like, this, this is mine. But how many know when, when, when it comes to marriage is what's yours is mine. And so if it's on your plate, it's mine as well. <laughs> you know, and I often, you know, take my fork and lean over only for it to get a slap and, and just go, no, no, that's mine. But, 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 but sharing is, is, is something 
that, you know, it's, not, it's got to be more than food, but it's, it's what we're called to do with our lives. We're called to fellowship. We're called to share. But two times it's translated this word koinonia as participation. And, and it's translated as contributing. Uh, so, so when it comes to church, you know, the whole idea of church is, is about everybody participating. Well, there, there was a very low participation right there. So, oh, don't get me to participate. You know, it's like, how many know when it's like people get in and get, try and get group participation going along? You know, a lot of us would just be a whole lot more comfortable being a spectator. Uh, but church was never meant to be just a, a place of comfort. It, it, it's designed, church is designed to activate something. And fellowship is about participating. It's about involvement. It's about contributing. Because when that happens, the potential of the church can be realized. When everybody's participating, when everybody's sharing and contributing. See, that's what church is all about. And in fact, you know, we, we see this through the one another's. There's 59 times in the Bible it talks about the one another's. So, so this is something that we've got to get our head around. And we're going to be unpacking this over the next few weeks. Just the one another's of the Bible, the love one another, serve one another, honor one another. You know, it talks about these things. You know, but, but so often, you know, when it comes, it's like, well, I just attend. And we forget about the others. But God is wanting to build a church that represents Him, that, 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 that resembles Him. And this is about you and I looking beyond ourselves. Well, so this morning, what I'm going to do right now is I'm going to give you three statements from Scripture about the church. You ready for this? I need some participation right now. I need a little bit of feedback right now. You ready for this this morning? Three statements about the church from Scripture. Number one is He uses me to build His house. He uses me, that's you, to build His house. It's not the responsibility of a pastor, a leader. No, He uses each and every one of us to build His house. If you don't believe this, let's go to First Peter chapter 2. Verse 1, it says, Therefore, laying aside all malice, good thing to lay aside, all deceit, hypocrisy, and envy, and evil speaking. So we lay those aside. We get rid of those things. And it says, As newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word, that you might grow thereby. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. How many here have tasted that the Lord is gracious? You know, I, you know I, I find if you get a taste for something, you want more. You know, I often say, taste and see that the Lord is good. If it's not good, it's not God. Because if you tasted God, you'll understand that He's good, that, that He's gracious. And then at verse 4, it goes, Coming to Him as a living stone... Rejected indeed by man, but chosen by God and precious. You also as living stones are being built up, are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Now, here, here Peter says, what are we? We are stones. 
That's good news. Welcome to church. You're a brick. <laughs> but, but he just doesn't call us stones. He calls us living stones. Living stones. And we're being built up into a spiritual house. So, so church is more than a physical building. It's, it's, it's actually people who are these living stones. And, and we're being built into this spiritual house. So you're a stone this morning, and you're being built into a spiritual house. You're a live brick. Amen? Some of you look like dead bricks right now, but, uh, but, but we're living stones. And, and, and you are the material here's the deal, God uses to build His house. And how many know a home is only as good as the material used? You know, we need to look at, at the troubles the construction industry have had over the years. You know, the leaky homes. You know, leaky homes are a result of bad material being used. You know, untreated wood, the cladding not right. You know, it resulted in, in leaky homes, rotten homes, smelly homes. A home is only as good as the material being used. And, and it's the same in the church. You know, here's the question we've got to ask ourselves. Is the material that's being used, would it survive a storm? Would it survive an earthquake? Now, I like how Paul says it in Ephesus, because we're material, but what are we being? We're being fitted together. We're being fitted together. And I challenge to say, who you stand next to in life matters. Because we're being fitted together as living stones. The company you keep is really important. And church is, is designed to be a, a place where people are encouraged, where people are built up, where people are championed in their dreams. How many know it's always awkward when, you, when you're next to a person who doesn't want to connect? You know, it's like on a plane. It's like you say hello. It's, like, <laughs> it's, like, it's always awkward. You know, sadly, many churches are like that. It's like we sit next to one another, but we don't connect. We don't reach out. We don't overcome things, barriers. And we're, we're, we're there, but we're not joined together. And, and I challenge to say that how we become good material is through our connection. See, see, it's the joinery that makes us weatherproof. Well, this is good right now. Come on, it's the joinery that makes us weatherproof. And if you want to stand in some storms, come on, if you want to survive some earthquakes, you know, it's your connections and it's your relationships, which ultimately is the house of God that enables you to do so. So you isolated, you're, you're just a brick. Yeah, you're not covered. And God has designed it that would be covered. And it takes a humility of heart and an openness of the spirit to actually make us good material. See, see, none of us are good material by ourselves. You know, it's not our ability. So, you know, so many people come to God and think they've got something to offer God. They come to church, oh, well, I've got a lot to offer the church, but no, I'll keep it for myself. No, we've got nothing to offer God. 
You know, I, I love the fact that we get to do this. What a privilege and an honor, you know, to raise our children in the house of God. You know, to see young people connect, to find, to discover who they are in God, to discover that they've got a purpose, a destiny, to, to find, you know, freedom. Now, what an honor that we get to be part of this. Come on, are you convinced about that this morning? Uh, none of us are doing God a favor. Well, I'm doing the pastor a favor by showing up today. We get to be a part of this. What an honor it is to serve Jesus. We get to partner with God. You know, and, and it's when you understand God's design, you go, man, I, I want to be in on this. It's like the Acts 2 church, when they heard stuff, they go, what do we need to do to be saved? Well, what do we need to do to get in on this? See, the problem today, though, is, is we're part of a consumer culture, and so we come along to church, and contributing is far from our mind. It's just far from participation. Don't ask me to participate. And it's like we want a church that's going to meet our need. But if you view church that way, you're going to miss out on the potential of the church. Because church, yeah, it is a place where needs are met, but it, it's something more than that. It's a family where you contribute, where you participate. Who wouldn't want to be part of God's design of church? It's like, sign me up, I'm in. So, so, so the first statement is, is what he uses me to build his house. Now, the second statement I want to get you here around this morning is, I am a minister. Everybody say that out loud. There's never a true word spoken. You don't need to be ordained, credentialed. You are a minister. If you're a believer of Jesus, you, are, you may never wear a dog's collar, may never you know, have a robe or anything, but you are a minister if you believe in Jesus. That's the design of the church. Uh, don't believe me? Let's go to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians 4. It says, Now these are gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostle, prophet, evangelist, and the pastors and teacher. I'm reading in the New Living Translation just to help people understand. It says, Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do His work and build up the church. Now, now whose responsibility is it to build up the church? All of us. It's, it's our responsibility to build up the church, the body of Christ. He's given gifts that are there to equip everyone to do this. How many believe the church would be a lot further on if we just all understood that? If we, we didn't you know, try and get rid of our responsibility and pass it on to somebody else, but everybody just said, hey, I'm here to build up the church. This is something that I'm part of. It says, this will continue until we all come to such a unity in our faith and a knowledge of God's Son that we'll be mature in the Lord. So, so this pattern is going to happen until we're a place of unity and we're mature. How many know we're not there yet? So this is how it needs to be. And we'll be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Verse 14, it says, then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown by every wind of new teaching. 
We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like truth. How many know if the enemy's going to sell us a lie, he's going to wrap enough truth around it so it's palatable? You know, it's obvious when there's a blatant lie, no, that's a lie. But, but today, too many people are being sold lies because there's little bits of truth in that, and, and, and we, 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 we digest it. And we're, we've got to be careful, and that's why people are up and down in their walk with God because they're in, they're out, they don't know where they are. And here Paul says, come on, let's not be immature, tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. Let's make sure that we get the Bible's perspective on this, not just the internet. Google is not the Bible. <laughs> Google's, and we've got to get, nor is our mate. We've got, to, we've got to understand the Word of God. And it goes on and it says that we grow up. Instead, we speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ. What's your greatest goal as a believer? What's your greatest? It's just there, found right there. Your greatest goal as a believer is to become more and more like Jesus. That's our goal. Who is the head of his body, the church? This isn't Sam Monksdale. This is nobody. This, This is his. Jesus is the head of the church. He makes a whole body, a body, body, body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. Listen to this. It helps the other parts grow so the whole body is healthy, growing, and full of love. Come on, everybody say, I am a minister. Here's the deal. Ministry is an everyone deal. It's not a one or two, it's an everyone deal. And ministry simply means to serve. It means to serve. If you can serve, you can minister. If you get, you're, you're a ministry, it mean, means to serve God's purpose. Many people go, well, I don't want to become a leader. Well, if you want to become a leader in the kingdom of God, all you've got to do is serve. Serve, that's how we're called to, we're called to serve. Ministry is all about serving one another. And we're going to unpack that. And and ministry, here's the deal, is not just designed for Sunday. Ministry in its intent, and Christ designed for the church, is designed for Monday to Saturday. I I really believe we could start a serving revolution. How many believe that? A, A serving revolution. You know, what serving does is it removes the power differential. So, so many people, you know, don't relate because they, they, they have perceived power differentials. But Jesus came as a servant, so he came down to our level so that we could relate to him. Too many people are lifting themselves up higher than they should be by not serving. But serving actually removes the power differential so that we can relate to one another. Come on, this is a good word right now. You know, so that we can connect with one another. And that's where ministry takes place, when everybody's on the same level. It's like nobody's above me. You know, 
I can connect. And in fact, they come down. They, they, they may know more. They may you know, have some insight. But I, I can access that when, when, when I perceive they're at the same level. There's a, there's a willingness. And, and too much of society is built on status. You know, celebrity is built on all, all these things, on, on political you know, authority. And we need to break that down. Jesus, he came and he challenged the system and he did it through serving. And serving is the only thing that removes that power differential that people perceive so that that we can connect, man. We're brother to brother, sister to sister. You know, we can connect at a level, recognize that Jesus is over us all and he's the head of all things. Come on, this is good right now. Because many people come into church and they still see a hierarchy. But we've got to remove the hierarchy so ministry can take place. You know, Jesus came in the New Testament. He was called Emmanuel, which means God with us. God with us. The problem is we've got that backwards. In a lot of places, we think it's us with God. Like God's somewhere else at some time else. But the Bible doesn't tell a story of a distant heaven. The Bible ends with heaven coming down. See, see, heaven isn't the end of the world. It's the beginning of the world as he meant it to be. Come on, you've got to hear me right now because some of our theology is wrong. It's the beginning of the world as he meant to be. And our role is, is to bring heaven down. In fact, church is really what it is. It's a colony of heaven. It's a gateway of heaven. We're here to, to resemble to the world around us what heaven could look like. Yeah, and how many know a church at its best moments, there's nothing like it. It's heaven on earth. It's not always like that because there's some bad moments. Let's be honest right now. We don't claim to be perfect. But, but we're striving for this thing, creating relationships. Where there's that support, there's that encouragement, where God's at the center. Now creating family dynamics, where, 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 where there's help. Oh, who, who doesn't want that? So some days the church isn't beautiful. But God's, Jesus is in the process of beautifying his church. See, Jesus started the church. He claims the church is his own. His hope is for the church. And guess what? He's returning for the church. So what greater thing to invest in? You know, here's the deal. The church has survived history thus far and will survive until the day of Jesus' return. You know, a lot of things will come and go. There'll be a lot of fads. There'll be a lot of new things. But I think if you want to invest your life into God's eternal purpose, the church... His bride, his vessel that God's chosen. You know, when Jesus went looking for a bride, it's not like he didn't have options. It's like, oh, dang, I'll just have to settle for the church. Getting a little bit old right now. No, he chose the church. He picked out the church as part of his design. Number three, last statement. Here's the thing. Church is where we get equipped. I haven't got to number three. I've gone back. But churches where we get equipped, equipped for what? For ministry. Equipped so that we can lay our lives down for the common good and for the glory of God. Church isn't only a place where we meet God. 
Church is where we learn to meet God everywhere else. It's where we learn to meet God everywhere else. It's where we learn to discover God in our workplace. It's where we learn to discover God in our, and that's where ministry occurs. See, many of us have embraced the cultural perspective of church rather than a biblical one. But I believe today God wants to change the game. Come on, I'm praying that this will be a game-changing sermon in people's comprehension when it comes to their role in the house of God. Come on, how, how many know that the Bible's good? You know, and if you have arguments, don't argue with me. I'll argue with the Word of God. Because I'm just giving you that. Here's the third thing, third statement is, Third statement is, I'm part of the family. So the first statement is, he uses us to build his church. Second statement is, I am a minister. Third statement is, I'm part of the family. Instant family. Yay! If <laughs> you've seen the movie, Insta- a good movie to watch. Instant family. It's like, you didn't have to go through any pregnancy labor or anything like that. You've got a family as soon as you gave your heart to Jesus. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, but how many know when it comes to kids and family, a lot of people have romantic notions about family. It's like about kids. Oh, man, kids. Don't. But when you have them, come on, any parents out there know what I'm talking about. It's like some of the romantic notions go away. When they're fighting with one another, when there's arguments, when you even have disagreements with them. You know, it, it, it ain't pretty. Now, family's not pretty. It's not pretty, but it's worth it. Uh, in that movie, you know, they, they took on some foster children, and, you know, it, it disrupted their life. They had a nice, neat little life, born in these foster kids, and, man, disrupted it. Yeah, it wasn't pretty, but the conclusion they come to is, it's worth it. Sorry to ruin the movie. <laughs> it's worth it. And, and here's what God does. In Psalm 68, Steve preached great on this last week. It says, Psalm 68, verse 6, God places the lonely in families. He sets the prisoners free and gives them joy. See, see everybody has this inbuilt need to belong. And the right reason why there's a lot of mental health issues and, and things is because of isolation and, and independence and, and, and you know, stuff. But, but, but church is the answer to that. We're, we're a family. We're, we're a family. We, we stay together. And, and church is a place where their inbuilt need can be met. Boy, you're loved in this place. You're loved. This is family where we... We get to figure it out together. Okay, just quickly, three instructions that we need to live by. Okay, three statements, three instructions. Here we go. Okay, number one is don't be a stranger in your own home. Don't be a stranger in your own home. I like what Paul says. That we're no longer strangers, foreigners, but fellow citizens and members of the household of God. You're not a foreigner. So many people always just have this outside looking in mentality. Well, I'm different. Da, da, da. That's a lie. Come on, you've got to make this home. You know, a foreigner is somebody, you know, it's like a tourist comes in and it's like all oh, oh, different. Yeah, it may be a little bit strange, but you've got to make it home. You've got to make a decision. I'm going to make this home. Don't be a stranger. This, the Greek word there is, 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 is like a resident alien. 
you reside, but you're not a citizen yet. So, so you reside in the country, but, but it's like you're not a citizen. You haven't embraced the values. And, and, and too many people you know, in church, it's like they're strangers. You know, they call it home, but they're still strangers in their own home. Don't, don't be a resident alien. Come, Paul said we're fellow citizens, part of the same household. You know, if this is my house, I'm going to make myself at home. If this is my house, I'm going to do my share. Come on, I mean, no, that's part of being a part of. If it's my host at home, I'm going to welcome visitors. I'm not going to leave. Come on, this is the one another's. We're not leaving it to a system. This is home. This is my home. You know, if somebody showed up at your home and you invited them, would you just sit on the couch and not even acknowledge them? That'd be pretty rude, wouldn't it? But that's sometimes how people treat church. It's like, oh, well, somebody else will look after it. We sit on the couch, just turn the TV. Don't even acknowledge. Come on, if this is your home, you know, it's like you're going to have to cook some meals. You're going to have to feed yourself from time to time. If this is your home, you're going to have honest conversations. If this is your home, you need to resolve conflict. Come on, the church is a church. We need to be good at resolving conflict. And Jesus, you know, we're going to walk in the light as Christ Jesus is in the light. You know, church, church doesn't mean we're not going to fight. Fact, you know, how I many know a lot of good fights happen in church? <laughs> Just like that, fighting is not the problem, conflict's not the problem. It's it's what we do in the midst of that conflict, whether we access grace, whether we forgive, or whether we bury issues. In fact, a lot of homes explode because they, they just sweep everything under the carpet, <laughs> pretending it's not there, hoping it's gonna go away. Do you know some, for some of us? The greatest healing will take place is when we open our heart and maybe have a good argument. And, and we don't throw things across the room, but we sit down and, and we talk together and we allow God to come in the middle of those conversations. Come on, am I preaching to anybody this morning? Uh, so many of us, you know, we're just too good at digging a hole and burying that issue and just pretending it's not there. But, but we're going to do that. Number two, second instruction is we're going to keep open house. Keep open house. I love how Matthew puts it, the words of Jesus in the message version. He says, Here's, to put it another way, you're here to be light, bringing out the God colors of this world. God's not a secret to be kept. We're going public. Come on, Equipage Church. We're going public with this. As public as a city on a hill, if I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? No, I'm putting you on a lampstand. Now that I've put you on a hilltop, on a light stand, shine, shine, keep open house. Be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. You know, this year I'm saying, come on, make room for others in your home. Keep open house, open your home to others. It's not just there for you and your, your immediate family. Come on, keep open house. Because as you keep open house, you'll open people up to God in heaven. You know, the generosity, the hospitality. Uh, when, when was the last time you offered hospitality to somebody? You just opened your home. You invited somebody around for a meal, for a coffee. Took somebody out for lunch after church. Or just quickly, in, oh, I'm going home so I can watch whatever. 
Netflix series on binging on. You know, it's like, come on, open house. Let's be generous. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up to God. This generous Father in heaven. Come on, share your journey. Share your journey. I heard a story this week. Sad story. It's a story of a young man who grew up in Nazi Germany. He was part of a small church that would gather together on Sunday to worship. And they gathered together and they had heard rumors of what was happening to the Jewish people. But in a lot of ways, they felt powerless to do anything by it. And do, do anything. And so that, they kept on meeting. And the church building was next to some railway tracks. It was a small little church, but it was next to these railway tracks. And the problem was that the trains would go past. But it wasn't just that the trains would go past. It was the cargo they were carrying. And, and, and not often during this time that they'd hear screams and cries for help. As, as, as the train went barreling past, they'd hear the whistle, but then it would be followed with these screams and, and for, for help. And the church would hear these screams and, and it would torment them. And, and they knew they had to do something, but they believed they could do nothing. And so over time, uh, they learned the schedule of the train and they planned to to sing hymns to keep them from hearing the screams. That's what they do. Now, now it's easy for you and I to say, well, you know, that's cowardly, this cowardly church. You know, planning to sing hymns. So, so it would inoculate them from the screams. It's easy to feel disgusted. But, but this doesn't happen intentionally. See, see, when it comes to our worship, if we just worship God and separate the needs of the world from our worship, it's not worship. And too often the church has been singing louder instead of singing the song of God. I really believe God wants to put a, a burden in people's hearts so that we hear those screams and, and we recognize that we're called to be the answer. Come on, you just need to, to watch the news, to hear and know what's going on in our world. You know, this world right now needs an alive church. No, not a church that's just bricks and mortar, but no, of people who are living stones, who recognize that they're ministers, who recognize that they're called to participate and contribute. Because if we recognize that, we could change our world. So instead of singing louder just on a Sunday, you know, I believe the challenge of the church and the one another's is, is reaching out to that one, that one person on a Monday who's lonely, who sits in a corner, who doesn't have many friends. It's reaching out to the, that family member who's in a mess right now. And you feel overwhelmed because you don't know how to respond, but just reaching out, believing that there's something of the God in you will, will minister to the need in them. See, see, let's not just sing louder to drown out the screams. Some of us need to get our hearts in tune with that so that we can do something about it. The church is glorious bride. That's what we're called to. That's what makes us beautiful, is that we engage. 
that we're mobilized, that we get to do this together. The third you know, instruction I want to give is, is have a desire to grow in the house. How many know everything that's healthy grows? So often we ask the wrong question, what do we need to do to grow? Well, if it's healthy, it'll grow. You don't need to tell a healthy kid to grow. They just grow. They're fed, they grow. But a healthy environment accelerates growth. It's like a greenhouse. You're controlling different things like the light, the atmosphere, and it grows fast in the environment. What churches, it's a greenhouse. We're creating a greenhouse for our children so that they can grow, they can get hold of the things that took us years to get hold of. They don't have to learn how we learned. They can stand on our shoulders. Come on, we're creating a greenhouse in this place that accelerates growth, growth in our life and growth in the lives of others. Not too many people, oh, I just need to work on me. For what? For you? I just need to work on me. Yeah, I believe we need to work on ourselves. But I work on me for them. I work on me for them. I don't work on me for me. What's the benefit of that? I work on me for them. I work on me so I can be a better dad, so I can be a better brother, so I can be a better, you know, friend. I work on me. And, and, and church is a place where it's like, come on, we have this desire to grow. And you know, how many know I'm a whole lot better if I'm more like Jesus? If I'm more like Jesus, that's the desire. I just want to be more like Jesus. Man, I got a long way to go. I got a long way to go. But that's why I read the Bible every morning. Because I know I've got nothing to offer God. I need His grace. I need Him. I just want to be more like Jesus because He saved me. And here's the thing He's given me the power. To become like Him. If I just plug in, you know, some of you, you haven't picked up your Bible. You pick it up every now and then. But God wants to put a hunger in you for His Word. You can't know Jesus. You find Jesus in His Word. You're relying too much on a preacher, a platform. Come on, God wants to put a hunger in you to grow this year more like Jesus. Some of you, are, I, I'm struggling with my temper. I'm struggling, you know, with fleshly appetites. Jesus. Not self-help books, Jesus. Jesus is your answer. Jesus is what you need. You know, some of you, it's like you're lacking just, just vision and creativity. It's like, you know, some of you, you're in a season, where it's almost like you got writer's block in your workplace. It's like you're in the, you know, just in the, the routines of life and, and there's no vision and creativity. Jesus, come on, His Word is life. His Word brings freedom. Jesus, come on, some of you in your marriages, it's just like things have hit a plateau and, you know, you're questioning things that you thought, you, you know, you don't even want to question. But come on, get Jesus in the middle of it. Jesus will bring answers. He'll bring vitality. He'll bring life. Jesus, the hope of humanity. The hope of the world, Jesus, Jesus, the head of the church. Come on, Jesus, we're all about Jesus in this place. Come on, Jesus, encountering Him. This is His. Come on, if you believe that. The church, His body. You just say, man, I don't want to be a spectator. 
I'm going to participate. I'm all in. How about standing to your feet right across this place? I'm done. Come on, in every location. How about you stand?